Whether it's our hearts, lungs, or other organs, the word diagnosis tends to make us uneasy. At Kaiser Permanente, our specialists care for you and about you, working together, creating a treatment plan specific to your diagnosis and total health. So from primary to specialty care, find reassurance in a great team of healthcare professionals committed to your healthy recovery. Visit kp.org slash specialty care to learn more. Kaiser Foundation Health Plan of the Mayo Atlantic States Incorporated, 2101 East Jefferson Street, Rockville, Maryland, 20852. Hello out there and welcome to the Fantasy World Order Fantasy Baseball Podcast presented by the Fantrax Podcast Network. I am Pat Donovan and joined by the juice box boy himself, <laughs> Nick Ligatino. Oh yeah, it's Juan Soto night. Let's go. Yeah, back me up and get me a juice box. And we are joined by the man that hates Chase Anderson more than anybody else in the entire <laughs> world, Joe Saunders. He stinks. <laughs> All right, guys, we got a great show lined up for you tonight. We're going to kick it off as usual with the news and notes. And as Nick mentioned, Juan Soto has been called up. Uh, he's crushed over three levels, A, high A, double A. He homered in his first at-bat um, last night, uh, second overall at-bat at the major league level. Tonight he's had another good night. What do you make of the inexperienced yet talented outfielder? And if bidding hasn't incurred yet, how much are you willing to bid in standard mixed leagues? All right. So I bid 101 fab dollars in our league. Um, and we start out with two. What was the percentage of your remaining budget, roughly? Um, I, 101 was over half of my remaining budget. Is it fair to say about 60%? Yes. Okay. All right, Joe, what do you, what do you think as far as percentage-wise? Oh, uh, mine, were, I bid, uh, what was it, like 20%? 20%. Okay. Um, so, yeah, and what do I make of the guy? I, listen, I was – I think the, the, the guy that I was most excited about over the last probably three or four years – um, was Ozzy Albies. And since Albies, I think the next guy on my list is probably Soto, the guy that I'm most excited about. Uh, what I see from him is a guy who could do everything. He's got speed. He's got bat speed. He's going to hit home runs. He's patient at the plate for such a young hitter, which is very, very important for somebody who's transitioning into the bigs at this age. Uh, and as we've seen so far, it's translating well. Tonight he walked three times and Joe and Pat before were like, oh, it's the Padres and it's low or blah, 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 whatever. But I watched him tonight. He took a lot of close pitchers, and he just looked really confident at the plate. I, I love the kid. And I'll give you a projection. Um, rest of the way this year, I'm not going to go crazy because he still has a lot of growing to do. Eventually, I think he's a guy who could hit 35 home runs, who could steal 15, 20 bases, um, put up similar numbers to Machado, except he uh, doesn't strike out at all and he walks a ton. Uh, so he's going to be really interesting to watch. But this year, uh, more importantly, I have him projected with a final number from now to the end of the season of 22 home runs, 15 steals with really good counting stats and like close to a 295 average. Where are you getting the speed from? He's fast. Okay, so it's just eye test, right? Because I don't I, think he's stolen bases. Yeah, eye test. Out of the box, he isn't the fastest, but – once he hit his hits his stride, he's got pretty good speed, um, and 
I, I just I, I definitely see some stolen base potential on the guy. Okay. So Nick, let me ask you a question. Um, Pat, I'm gonna kind of jump you a little bit, but uh, we sure, talked offline a little bit, and I know me and Pat are, have our reservations. So, Nick, are you worried at all about them limited at bats and in, in pretty much Double A and and beyond? Like yeah, seeing and, ju- and just to pitching? build up, just to build upon that, Joe, for everybody's information, he has had 35 plate appearances at Double A. Yeah, it's crazy. and that's the extent of his experience at Double A. Right. So, do you, so do you think he's ready? Yeah, I mean, I I do think he's ready. And yesterday, the home run that he did hit had a ninety nine point six six exit velo, and we don't see guys hit that velocity ever. I mean, there's a handful of guys in the league that could get to that one hundred mile per hour mark, and this kid did it in his first game. Uh, the home run was four hundred and twenty two feet. Opposite field. It's the second furthest opposite field home run of the year behind Eric Hosmer. Well, he had an opposite I didn't field bomb. Yeah, he had a bomb the other day. Um, and they have his launch angle right now at 7.16. And you know what? Uh, he does – I'm going to keep mentioning Jose Martinez when I talk about him because he does remind me of him a lot. They have very similar swings where I think he's going to hit a lot of line drives right now. He's going to get on base a lot between the walks and the base hits. The power is going to uh, come, though, eventually. Until he makes that swing change where he – uh, changes the angle a little bit. I don't know if he's going to get that 35 pop home run uh, yet, but it's going to come regardless this year. And 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 one quick point about the speed, Pat, is that uh, he's going to get on base so much. He's going to get on first so much because of the walks and the singles that he's going to he's going to somehow accumulate those stolen bases. Whether and he's going to hit the 10 10 uh, stolen base mark, which is the magic number. Okay. Well, you keep mentioning the walks, and what I what my first thing that jumped out to me is, you know, with limited exposure to big league pitching, I do wonder if he's going to be able to carry, you know, a 10-plus percent walk rate. Um, Now, obviously, you know, we've seen him tonight, and he's walked a few times. Um, So, you know, that makes you think that, you know, maybe the patience and the plate discipline is there. But, you know, I mean, it's, again, we're dealing with the most minute of samples, um, you know, two games. So I don't think we can conclude that yet. Um, but I, I am worried about the possibility that he um, might not have that sort of plate discipline against, uh, you know, big league pitching. That's the one thing that jumps out to me. I do not think he has the speed that you do. I do not think he'll run at the, any kind of level. I do think he's going to be a 20-plus homer bat. I do think he can hit probably around 270. Um but, you know, like, I mean, even the projection systems are extremely high on him. Steamer has him at 291, 351, 480. Um, that's high for me. I, I don't think he's going to be that. And all I have to do is go back a few years ago and point towards, you know, Nomar Mazzara, who came up at a comparable point uh, with more experience um, and has been a league average player and, you know, Pretty much that's a success because at 20 years old, being a league average player is fantastic. But it might take him some time to reach, you know, a superstar level, which he's capable of. He's a player that's got, uh, you know, a, a excellent raw power, excellent game power. And he's a, a player that doesn't strike out a lot. So he should have the power and average combo that's exceedingly rare in today's game. Um 
but I, I don't know that it's going to all come at once. Uh, you know, that said, he looks good so far. Yeah, I, I think my one my one set of advice I'd give people is if um, I imagine that coming out of the gate and he's shown it so far that he's looked good and he's going to hit well. But the, the second he shows signs of uh, like cooling off, because I think it will happen once pitchers figure out his holes and um, and throw him some more advanced pitches, you know, that he hasn't seen yet. Um, I think I think you'd be you should be cognizant of of these cold streaks and not be fearful to to bench him for another hot player um, and just make sure you're on top of when he's hot and cold instead of just plugging him in your lineup and kind of forgetting about him. Cause I think there's going to be some cold streaks. Yeah. And if, if you're in a dynasty league right now, you're just like a pig and shit. Oh yeah. Well, I mean, well, I mean comes he to the guy already owned. Yeah. He was already owned and you're obviously holding him. Yeah. 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 Okay. Let's move to D Gordon who suffered a fractured toe. Uh, heading to the DL, um, no official time frame is available. Although um, Seattle's uh, coaching staff stated that they don't believe it's going to be long. Um, there was prior speculation they could be out until the All Star break. He's a very difficult player to replace, so let's handle the worst case scenario and say he's out for a while. What is your strategy for replacing him? Uh, well, if you got to head to the waiver wire right now, I would say to go look up uh, Travis Jankowski. He's been really good this year. Right now, he's sporting a 354 average and an 894 OPS. Uh, he's been hitting the ball all over the field. And as you guys know, he's one of the fastest guys in all of baseball. Um, he's not going to play every night, but when he does, you could, you could bet on some stolen bases, especially now that he's actually getting on base. That's been his problem in the past. So if he's able to get on, I mean, I know that 354 is you know, just not in his game. He's more of like a 240 and 250 and less hitter. But if, like I said, even if he slows down a little bit, it's he's still getting on base a lot more than he should be. And the, the, the stolen bases are going to accumulate. So he's definitely a guy I would target. Yeah. I, I echo the, uh, Jankowski, um, pick up some other names, uh, Larry Garcia and Jose Iglesias. They're also pretty cheap and they've got, just shy of 10 stolen bases each. Um, I mean, replacing the average is pretty much impossible. Um, but the steals are easy to come by. Um, if if you can afford to take the average hit, then picking up these guys are okay. If you still need to get the average, and I think the way to do it is via trade. I kind of really like Garcia, too. Like, we haven't talked about, mentioned him once on the, on the pod, but I, what do you guys think about Garcia? I know it's kind of off subject a little bit but since you mentioned him i don't think that the playing time is really going to be there um on any kind of consistent basis so outside of deepest leagues um you know i'm kind of out so so okay out okay. um all right so i mean with d you know you've banged 16 steals at this point and that's in about seven weeks um if we're operating under the theory that he'll be out a month which we don't know if he will be but if he is and comes back and runs at a similar pace, that's another 32 steals. Um, you know, do you need more than that? It's really a team construction question. And to Joe's point, you know, the way I think I might attack this, if I think I can survive without the steals, is to try and get 
um, the batting average and the runs potential, which is a little more abundant on the trade market and a little easier to get. That's Dribble Cabrera. Josh Harrison just came back from injury. Um, Scooter Jeanette is red hot, but he still carries the name Scooter Jeanette. So he might not be impossible to get. Stalin Castro is a guy that can aim for some average and is hitting at the top of the lineup and can score some runs. Eduardo Escobar, who we talked about last week, is another player that's you know hitting towards uh, the middle of the lineup, can score some runs, and is going to hit for a decent average. You know, if you need the speed, Ender Enciarte is a player that might not be as valued as he should be because he's hitting at the back of a lineup. Malik Smith is a light-hitting outfielder that can steal. He's got 10, 10 steals. Jonathan VR has second base. He's not playing every day, but he's got eight steals and he's hitting 270. So let me ask you guys this. We're going to talk about him a little bit later, but what do you think about seeking out Billy Hamilton um, as a replacement? Uh, I would say absolutely not. Okay. Joe? You know what? Mm, it depends on the price, right? But if you can get him... Uh... No, Billy Billy is can only hurt your team more than help your team right now. He is... One of the worst hitters in baseball. He's batting at the back end of one of the worst lineups in baseball. And you're sacrificing okay. any kind of runner RBI production and batting average and OPS. Go ahead. Okay. Can we can we just deal with the short answers and get to Billy later? Because we've already got him lined up later yes. in the show. Yes. Okay. Chris Davis, DL with a groin strain. Who do you like as a replacement for Chris Davis? Uh, right now, Matt Kemp is still playing really good. I, we mentioned him a couple of weeks ago, and he's not slowing down. In fact, he's only gotten better over the last couple of weeks. He's batting like 381. Uh, he doesn't have much pop, and of, of course, you lose a guy like Chris Davis. You want to make up with uh, with some home runs, but uh, you also could take the strategy of just playing it safe and you know at the at, ha, you know picking up an outfielder that's not going to give you a terrible average and terrible OPS and give you some RBI production and Kemp is doing that right now. So he's a guy I really like as a nice safe pickup, but, but just real quick, Chris Davis is not on the DL yet for some odd reason. He hasn't been put on today. They announced that he, he shouldn't be going on, but nothing's been made yet. So it, it could be a wait and see. He might not be headed to the DL. Okay. Possibility. Good catch. Good catch. Uh, Joe, what do you think? Uh, Adam Duvall is a name that pops out to me. I mean, it's hard to replace the OPS, Chris Davis, but low batting average, you know, the uh, high pop per plate appearance or low pop per plate appearance type guy. Um, yeah, Duvall's a name that stands out to replace the power. Yeah, I had uh, Kemp, who Nick had mentioned, Conforto at 49%, Teoscar wow. Hernandez at 43%. Wow. Max, Both of them. Max Kepler at 26%. Austin Meadows, who actually just went deep again for the yeah. second time at 24%. And then some deeper names, um, Dustin Fowler at 5%. He's a different skill set. And then if you're really stretching, Brendan Nimmo at 2% um, are, are all guys that I like that I think that you could add um, that offer some measure of value. It's crazy how quickly people give up in their fantasy baseball leagues. How yeah. is Conforto 49% owned? That is Crazy. I want to be in that league. Yeah. Yeah, I know. <laughs> so good. All right. Uh, Willie Adamas. The, he's, Juan Soto is not the only prospect that got the call. Adamas got called up today. 
Um, actually went deep tonight, struck out three times in his other at-bats. Um, he was called up because Joey Wendell was placed on the paternity leave. Uh, the Rays have said that he will go back down in a few days. What sort of fab investment would you make for Adamas? And is he a potential replacement for D. Gordon? Why are they sending him back down in a couple of days? <laughs> because they're the Rays. That's what yeah, they do. Like, I don't understand. He he put his time in. Like He played through AA and AAA. Like, the kid played good. He showed great patience. We talk about Soto, who hasn't had the track record of patience. This kid has been walking like crazy the last three years. Um, really good OBP, 360, 372, 342 year after year. Um, I like him. I, I, I'm not – I don't uh, – the problem with – the D replacing him with D Gordon is we don't know if he's gonna have the at bats or if he's gonna be up for for another week. We don't know what's gonna happen. The other thing is I don't see his speed um being like even close to D Gordon's. I don't know if you see it differently. I'm not sure why you threw him in there. Uh, no, no, as, it's as, it has nothing to do with the speed. It's just like I said, when it comes to Gordon, there's more than one way to replace him. If you think you can survive without speed and you need to replace the average or just find a productive player. Um he could be an option. Okay. Yeah, and he's a middle infielder. Um, he he he's like a, a like a jack of all trades for me, and a master of none. Right, like uh, st- strong defense, solid hit tool, a little bit of pop, can sneak some bags in. Um, a- as far as like fab investment, I definitely would or would have spent much more on Soto because he represents the higher upside. But um. You know, if 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 you need a solid player, I, I think that's what it'll be. It'll be like a nice, solid, average player for fantasy. Yeah, I think he's a better real life player than he's going to be a fantasy asset. I think he's a bat that's going to hit somewhere between fifteen and twenty homers over the course of a full season, steal between ten to fifteen bags, and hit around two seventy five, two eighty. But he lacks that sort of explosiveness that Soto has. Um, now. That comes with the caveat that we've seen guys that have that sort of 15 homer, um, you know, expectation come up to the majors and explode for like 25. So that is a possibility here. I mean, in a standard mixer, I think Adamas uh, is like a 15% budget guy. Um, and that would be if he was up for good. Um, well. You know, if I have a need, like if Gordon just went down for me, uh, I can tick higher because I do like the player. Um, but, you know, the middle infield need just isn't even as prevalent as it once was. I mean, I just ran down a list of five guys that you can probably get um, in a pretty decent trade um, that that I would like better than Adamas from right now forward. Um, you know, with the two to three day caveat, lack of explosive upside and uncertainty for when he's going to get the call for good. I think he's like a 5 to 10% guy, um, and that's only if you have the space. If you're dealing with a short bench and you can't stash him in a minor league spot when he goes back down, I think you just have to take a pass. Agreed. Yeah, yeah, that sounds good. Okay, Rich Hill to the DL uh, with a blister issue. Shock. Um, originally, they were saying it was going to take about four weeks, but uh, I read today that he was – throwing with a Band-Aid on. Uh, He'll obviously be unable to throw with the Band-Aid on in an actual game, but nonetheless, he's still throwing, so uh, maybe it'll be a little shorter. So what do you recommend that owners do uh, as far as replacing him? 
And if you have no DL, are you going to move on from Rich Hill at this point? Yeah. Hey, can I take this one? Go ahead. Sorry. Uh, so, so my cousin text my cousin texted me the other day and actually asked me this question. Um, so he was in a twelve team mixed league, um, and so I asked him, uh, "What are some of the names on the waiver wire um, that you might be able to replace Hill with?" So he gave me Megden, Lynn, Fulty, and Tyler Anderson. Oh, forget it. I would do it for Fulty and for Megden. So yeah, those are the two names that came up. That, that I thought I would, but at the same time, um, I'm, I'm uh, especially since he's throwing already, I'm not sure that I'd be willing to drop him just yet. Um, Even yeah. without DL? Correct. Okay. Yeah, so I, I'm definitely dropping him. Uh, this has been, Rich Hill has been a major headache for owners over the past couple of years, um, and this year, if he would have gotten off to a good start, then maybe I would have given him a little leeway and dealt with all the annoyingness of broken nails and blisters and whatever the hell else he does. Um, but at this point, I, I just think it's it's laughable. He's the most one of the most injury prone players of all time, and I, I'm I'm letting him go. And I I would I would rather have Mangden and Faulty. That's that's like. It's not even close, actually. Like, I like them both a lot better than him. I wouldn't say that I like them a lot better. Um, it's just that they're, um, you know, it, it, there comes a point where you want the security of, uh, you know, having a, a healthy body in the rotation as opposed to constantly dealing with a player that's in and out and in and out. Um with with Hill, it's it, it is one of those situations where if you have the DL spot, there's no reason not to stash it because um, he is a pitcher with very significant upside. We have seen him come back from the blister issue before and pitch quite well, and I suspect that you know that can happen again. If you don't have the DL spot and you're dealing with short benches, I mean, it's really hard to hold on to a guy that has basically been on and off the DL since the start of the season. And when he's been not on the DL and pitching, he hasn't pitched particularly well. Um, so it's really a league construct thing. But Joe, I mean, to, to your cousin's question, I mean, again, you're going to be amazed at the names I'm going to break out like you were with Chris Davis. Nick Pavetta, 51%. Tyson Ross, 46%. Eduardo Rodriguez, 43%. Andrew Heaney, 39%. Oh, Heaney. So those are like 12-team mixers, and those guys are available in more than more than half of them. Going deeper, Jordan Lyles, 33%. Vincent Velazquez, 26%. Caleb Smith, 24%. Trevor Cahill, 21%. I mean – those are really quality names and productive pitchers at this point. So it's not like the replacements aren't out there, um, you know, outside of the deepest leagues, you can find somebody that can take the spot um, and, and offer you, you know, K upside or, you know, ERA and whip help if you like Mengden. Um, so, uh, you know, there, there's a plethora of options out there. It's just a matter of, whether or not you're going to hold on to Hill. And I think that's strictly a league construction question. Yeah, actually. So now, now that I think about this a little more in a, 
in a league with no DL slot, I have to imagine, unless if you're a fool, you didn't really spend up on um, on Hill. Because then you're pretty foolish for spending so expensively on someone that's likely going to get hurt. If there are DL slots, then right, you're pretty you were pretty much banking on this sort of thing happening anyway. I know it's been frustrating because he hasn't been good and he's been in and out, but this is Rich Hill. Yeah, I can vouch for that as a Rich Hill owner. Uh, I own two shares and I completely expected this possibility. I mean, you know, I was hoping that I would do better than this, but you know, both the, both those leagues, I've got the DL spots, so I'm not panicking. I'm, I've tried to accumulate some depth for just this occasion. And I think I've done a good job of that. And now I just wait it out until he comes back and hopefully he's able to rebound and get hot this summer. Like he did last year. And, and I think that that's right. You know, I mean, and if you bought him in a league without DL spots, you know, I think you have to take the L and move on and take the lesson learned because, you know, th- your league construct is such that you have to buy in a little more to safety as opposed to risk. Mm-hmm. Okay. Dustin Pedroia could return from the DL Friday. Are you guys looking to stash him? Uh, yeah, it's definitely based on team comp, but if you have the room, he's definitely a guy I would pick up, especially he gets a huge bump in OBP leagues. And if he's batting anywhere near the top of the lineup, which I, where do you think he gets put into that lineup? I've got no interest in Dustin Pedroia. Well, where do you think he is in the lineup though? (laughs) Uh, all right. Let's see. Is it Betts, Benintendi, JD right now? Uh Uh-huh. Uh, is Devers four? Bogarts. I think. Bogart, Stevers. No, well, I don't know. It, it, it could be Hanley at four. Hanley. I mean, he's behind all of these guys still for me. Instead of so. speculating, let me take a look to see what the lineup was tonight. Yeah. Play uh, Pat looking up lineup music. <laughs> <laughs> uh, hey, I got it. I got it. Uh, so tonight it was Betts, Benintendi, Ramirez, Martinez, Bogart, Stevers, Nunez, Leon. So, I mean, Pedroia is going like before Nunez. So you think he's hitting seven? Yeah. Yeah, it's possible, but you, you think know, he's again, getting the, the veteran? The veteran. Yeah, well, he's had it the last few years. Every time he's played, he's hit like second or third. Yeah, he's yeah. got no business hitting that. High. No, he's got no, no he business. Does. But no, he does. Does he? He does. He Why? Because he gets on base. Like, yes, it's all about OBP. I mean. Like, look, you want to set up – the whole point is to get the first the first two guys on base for uh, Martinez and if they move Benintendi down, whoever it is. This guy gets on base th- every year, 370. Three, well, 360, 370, 350 every single year. The He's thing is, though, so does Benintendi. I know, but Pedroia is the captain of the team. The thing, yeah. the thing that's working against him, though, now is that the team is extremely right-hand heavy. So – Unless they're going to go like four righties in a row, they really need to get the lefty in there, and he's the only logical guy that they would move. Um, but I mean, it, it is it is going to be interesting to see. But I mean, even as the seven hitter in this lineup, he's still a guy that could have value, right? Yeah, I'm still interested, and he's only 34. Like I, for some reason, Pedro I thought was like a lot older. 
like not a lot older, but I definitely thought he was a little older. And I don't know, 34, he could still play. He's going to get you some pop, little speed, tiny bit of speed. And the cannon threats will be there regardless if he's – even if he is bad at seven. He's still gonna get some RBI production. There's a lot well, yeah, of he's got counting stat juice. It's the it's the home runs and stolen bases. I think they're just kind of yeah, like, but they're kind of like throw me ins right now. It's like no, oh, Pedroia got me a home run, sweet. I know, but there's not many guys who like bat 290 and that's fair. Like, get on base this much. That's you know fair. I mean? So he represents a, a actually okay. This is great. He represents a good replacement for D Gordon. Yeah, if you could if you could spare the speed. Yes. Absolutely, yeah. I was actually just thinking that as well, Joe. Okay, two more quick news items. J.D. Davis was called up by the Astros. Devin da- Evan Gaddis continuing the struggle. The Astros have recalled Davis, who was raking in the minors. Are you taking a shot on him, and where does this leave Evan Gaddis? I like the Astros thank, fan. To- thank you very much. I highlighted Evan Gaddis last week. Yes, you did. Uh, so... His first cup of Joe in the majors, Davis struggled, but um, Hinch has said that he he's going to try and squeeze Davis in the lineup. Um, he he played today in the outfield. Um, he's mentioned Hinch has mentioned that he wants to try and get him in the outfield. Um, he can play third base. He can play first base. So there's like a lot of mixing and matching here between Yuli, Marwin, and Davis. Um, as far as Davis himself, I mean, we we know the deal, right? He's got a ton of power upside. He hasn't really shown it in the in his, in his short stint in the majors. Um, the the hit tool is okay, um, but when he connects, it's going to go far. Um, a- am I taking a shot? Yeah, if I need the pop, I'm taking a shot. And Gaddis, I think Gaddis will still get his at bats, um, but it's. You know, if, if he continues to struggle in his limited at-bats, it's going to get worse and worse. So I'm, like, really attracted to this guy. Uh, if I didn't spend all my money on uh, Juan Soto, I would I'd put a lot on J.D. Davis. Uh, I mean, the, this kind of power from the catcher position, and like Joe said, if he gets some He's other He's not playing catcher. He doesn't catch. Uh, I'm an idiot. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> it's okay, yeah. keep going. Well, anyway, yeah. So, the, well, <laughs> get, 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 get. Oh, you know what? Actually, no, he could play catch. Listen, he could play catch. I heard the other day his manager was talking about it. <laughs> um, no, but listen, the power, regardless whether he plays catcher or sells hot dogs, is there. Um, it, it's extremely enticing. 21 home runs and 388 plate appearances in 2017. Uh, you know, the OBP is really sexy. The player looks good. I'm definitely interested. And I, would, I wouldn't I would spend as much fab now that I know he's not a catcher. So thanks, guys. You learn something every day. <laughs> good thing I listened to the pod. Yeah, um, only in deep leagues am I interested in Davis. Uh, he's got contact issues. Uh, I think there's a good degree of uncertainty as to whether or not he's going to claim a real role with the team. Uh, to me, he looks like a quad A guy. Um, he, he could get hot and go on a month long power binge. That's possible. He could also go, you know, on an over 15 streak with eight K's and get sent back down. This has far more effect on the Gattis owner. Uh, it's a sign that they're getting frustrated with him. And, you know, I voiced this concern before the year began 
Houston is loaded. They don't need to wait on Gaddis. They've got another guy in Tyler White who could get another look. Um, AJ Reed is another guy who could get a Kyle look. Tucker, still. Kyle Tucker is lurking. There are plenty of DH first base corner types uh, who could take this slot via an inexpensive trade and be an upgrade over Gaddis. So if you're the Gaddis owner, you know, I think you have to start to look around and shop around, um, you know, in, in a 12 team format and see what you can find. I'm not saying you have to give up on them right now, but you need to have your ducks in a row because there is a good chance that he's not going to get the sort of playing time volume that you might've been expecting when you drafted him. Okay. And Alex Reyes, who we discussed last week is going into the rotation, according to beat writers with Carmart out, he's going to bump John Gant. But when Carmart returns, there's definitely a rotation crunch. I wonder if Luke Weaver, who we're going to talk about tonight is going to end up being the odd man out, but we can talk about that when the, uh, when the time comes. So let's move it to around the diamond, and we're going to focus on struggling players. We're going to kick it off with Mike Zanino. Zanino has six homers on the season, 11 runs, 15 RBIs, and is sporting a 213, 260, 426 slash line. What have you guys seen from Mike Zanino, and do you expect him to turn it around? They are who we thought they were. I don't expect him to turn around at all. I have zero interest in Zanino. I've never liked him as a player. The K rate's always been crazy. Last year was extremely lucky. Yeah. Um, he hit 25 home runs and batted 250. He had a 355 BABIP and struck out 36.8% of the time. So he's not going to reach those numbers again. He's not going to come close. The Mariners are falling apart slowly by the day. It's getting worse and worse. Um, I have zero interest in Zanino, and he is not going to turn it around. So I'm going to I'm going to keep it keep it real on the the FWO podcast and I have no sympathy for anyone who drafted Mike Zanino. Oh um, yeah. He's exactly who he's always been, just like you said Nick, and he's actually getting worse. His chase rate and whiff rates are somehow worse. So I I mean he's droppable in in all but only the deepest deepest formats. Pat? Yeah, I mean Zanino <laughs> I mean, he, he, like you said, he is who we thought he was. He's got a 37% K rate. Um, the batted ball and contact profile underscores his power upside, which is significant. He's got almost a 60% pull rate, 45% fly balls, 43% hard contact. But none of that's going to matter if he doesn't have a BABIP that's well beyond what he's capable of. Uh, you know, last year it was outstanding, but there wasn't really a good reason for it. So – there's no way he's going to be like a 250 hitter. So he may approach 30 bombs, but it's going to be like a 215 average. And it's just not an asset that I'm that interested in, even with the extreme power. Okay, Paul Goldschmidt, five homers, two steals, 27 runs, 13 RBIs, 205, 323, 367 slash. What do we think about Paul Goldschmidt? Well, Joe is the Goldschmidt owner. I'll let him take it. You can start it off, Joe. All right, sure. So um, I've expressed this a few times on this podcast already. I've watched a lot, a lot, a lot of Goldies at bats. Um, as Nick just mentioned, I am a Goldie owner in our home league. So the data backs up a lot of his struggles that we've seen 
uh, with the eye test that you can see with the eye test alone. Um, the two big things that stand out are the in the zone contact is down and the first pitch strike percentage is up. So what does that actually really mean? It's that he's just not handling fastballs the same way he used to. Pitchers know this and they're attacking the zone vigorously. Um, struggling to hit the fastball might just mean he's a small mechanical change away from hitting his stride. Um, but he's definitely got some visible, he, he's definitely visibly missed some very hittable pitches this year. And in fact, the broadcast team has expressed that Goldschmidt is missing these fastballs. So it, it's, it, it's clear as day in both the data and the eye test. Now, it's not all completely horrendous. Horrendous. Throughout his career, going back to 2014, um, admittedly, that's a very arbitrary point, uh, only because I looked that far back. But he's had a number of times where his zone contact percentage has been this far down and even worse. So am I worried as a Goldie owner? Yes. Am I selling him for 50 cents on the dollar just yet? No. Yeah, but I'm offering you 80 cents to the dollar and you're still telling me no, you bastard. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Uh, yeah, so with Goldie, uh, look, I'm willing to buy and take the risk and hope that he snaps out of it, but now I'm starting to get worried. First of all, if you're in a Roto League, he screwed you already this season. It's, yeah, yeah. It was, it was a bad pick. That's it. You got to live with it now and hope he turns it around. Yes. There's no, there's no way he can I know all about that in Roto. <laughs> yeah. There, there's, there's no way that he can, he can make up with the damage that's already been done. Now, he, he's that good, though, where he can definitely – uh, bring you back like third round type ADP ish value. Um, but I don't know if it's going to happen. Like Joe mentioned, there's a lot of swing and miss that's happening, but there's also some other things I looked at that are a little worrisome as well. The average exit velo is way down 88.57 right now. That's below league average. And that's very much not Goldschmidt esque. So not only is he swinging and missing, but he's lacking bat speed. Uh, that's a problem. Uh, the launch angle is also down 13.88 from the year before. Um, and I don't know. Like like Joe said, he looks lost at, the, lost at the plate. And we've seen really good players have years ha, – ha, have off years. We saw it with Ortiz. We saw it with Paul Canerco. We've seen it with great players just have a bad year. So I don't know. I, I'm not so confident anymore that – He's going to break out of it. That was the talk the whole month of May. Oh, it's Goldie, though. It's Goldie, though. It's Goldie, though. Yeah, but he's striking out 30% of the time. And the exit below is down. And the launch angle is down. And the humidor. And we have to stop saying, oh, it's Goldie. There's a problem. And we need to realize that there's a problem. You just said the magic word. Humidor. And I think what is going on here and it's something I've mentioned on Twitter is David Wright. I think the ballpark's in his head a little bit and the home road splits really bear this out. He's hitting yeah. 140, 321, 209 at home. Wow. He's wow. down to 201 wow. right now. And wow. that's underscored by a 231 Babbitt. Now, you know, the K rate is there at home and on the road. But I really do believe that it's just simply a matter of Goldschmidt is struggling at home and he's pressing and he, and Joe, you've said it, he needs a couple of days off just to reset. 
and to take a step back and refocus on what he's doing. Now that's the most, not the most scientific explanation, but I, I think it's correct. Um, you know, as you mentioned, he's, he's had these issues before. It's not that he hasn't, you know, swung and missed inside the zone over, you know, a period of time before. It's just that the contact that he's made hasn't resulted um, in the sort of results that he's used to. And the contact isn't even that bad. I mean, the authority looks pretty good. 23% line drive rate, 42% hard contact rate, one-to-one ground ball to fly ball ratio. So, I mean, the mix is there. Maybe the exit velo is down, but it, it shouldn't have, shouldn't be resulting in these sort of results. Um, I, I expect the contact to rebound. I expect that the results will improve at home and probably get a little worse on the road because he's actually been really good at, on the road. Um, you know, I, I think an expectation of about 20 homers, 12 steals, with about a 285 average rest of the way is reasonable. And that's easily a top 100, top 50 asset, but it's not the player that you drafted him to be, but you just kind of have to chalk that up and reset your expectations. And, you know, if somebody's going to offer you a top 50 type asset for him, you, I think at this point you have to consider it. Yeah, Joe. (laughs) But I mean, what do you guys think? Like, what are you, what are your expectations for him the rest of the way? It's tough to gauge. It really is. Um, but Well, Nick, you're like, trying to acquire him. So you yeah. obviously don't think he's going to be bad. Do you think he's going to be better, worse, or about the same as what I just projected? No. Uh, about the same. About the same. I think, he could, I think he could finish the year with an average like over 265. He could still get there. There's still time. And he can finish with around 25 bombs and like over 12 steals. That's pretty much exactly what Pat said. And see, so like the reason, right? So we're not in a roto league. So the league that Nick is trying to acquire him in is a head to head league. And the reason why I'm so wary to trade him is because that, that sample in, in the, the, that rest of the season in such a small amount of time now, because we're two months in is a lot more valuable than in a roto league. So that's why I'm I, I'm so worried to trade him. If I, if it was a roto league, I probably would have been more aggressive in moving him. Tory, sit the guy. Jesus. Yeah. So I said I tweeted that the other day, and I really think Tory Lavelle has just got to sit him. Yeah. I mean, everyone everyone thinks it. Like it's come on. I mean, he struck out another three times today. Insane. And 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 Pat, to your point. Uh, sorry, I know we're harp, harping on Goldschmidt a lot, but yeah, I mean, but it's someone important. it's someone we haven't talked about. A lot. Um, so, Pat, to your point about the contact, I mean, he is, he's, he's like in the midst of a legitimate slump. Like, even the balls he's hitting well are finding fielders. And that's the, that's the sort of thing that happens when you're batting 201. Like, everything you hit goes right into a glove. And that's what's happening to him, too. So, I, I think he's going to, he's going to break out of it at some point. I just don't think, I don't think he's going to be what you expected when you drafted him. But again, I think 285 or 280 the rest of the way, 20 home runs and 12 steals in this crunch time is extraordinarily valuable in a format that we play in in head-to-head. Yeah, and, and also, you know, you don't want to downplay the fact that it's valuable in Roto as well. Um, you know, I, you 
you have to toss aside what's happened already. And you have to look at it going forward. And 280-2012 is still valuable in Roto from this point forward. So I wouldn't sell him for cents on the dollar there either. Again, if somebody's going to come and offer me a legitimate so, asset for him, I'm willing to do it. Sorry? You have any, no, I'm sorry. I, so, I didn't mean to cut you off. Joe, if you could pull up trades while he finishes. I, I, have, some, cool. I have some trades. Okay, Pat, I'm sorry. I had him prepared. Yeah, no, if Joe's got him, then let's do him because I was finished. Okay, so we got Golden, Pat, Goldie, Paxton, and Healy for Stanton. No. no. Okay. Goldie for Yelich and Peraza. No. No. Goldie and Rendon. This is like, this is Nick's deal. Goldie and Rendon for Matt Adams and Cody Bellinger. No. No. Okay. And Goldie and Manaya for Harper. Yes. Yes. Yeah. So that's the one I said I would do. All the other ones I agree with you, I wouldn't do. So, but, but what that, what I think that tells you is that we're more buying on Goldschmidt than we are selling at this point. Yeah. Yeah. I think so. Okay. All right. Let's move to Brian Dozier. Seven homers, 24 runs, 16 RBIs, two steals, 230, 301, 397 slash. Uh, do you guys want me to take this one first? Yeah. He's your boy. Okay. So his walk rate's down a hair. The K rate's also down a hair. The Babbitt's sitting at just 250. Uh, he's 300 last year, 275 for his career. Uh, I think that's the primary culprit of what's going on here. The battle ball data doesn't look great. The line drive percentage is just 13%, which is down 6% for his career. His infield fly ball rate is at 19%. That's the highest since 2015. His hard contact is down a bit at 31.7%. But he's never been outstanding there because he's a fly ball hitter, and he also has pop-up issues. So, you know, that can kind of skew the data. Um this is what you get with an extreme fly baller. The balls aren't falling in play. It's going to rebound. I've owned Dozier multiple times over the course of his career. He's a streaky player. Uh, he's gotten off the slow starts in the past. Um, the most important thing to me is that the homers are there. He's hit seven. Uh, you know, if the homers were down, I would be a little more concerned. As he gets on base more with more hits, he's going to run a little more, I think. I'm confident he's going to be the 30-15 guy who drafted. I just think it's more likely – He's going to be 30, 15, 255 or 250 than, you know, like a 270-ish hitter that he was last year. Yeah, I don't see any problems with the approach this year. I, I looked into his uh, his advance. I didn't see anything that stood out, except for the exit velo is also way down for him right now at 86.2. That's really, really, really low. Um, but I'm going to put that aside and just tell you this. Uh, for March, April, and May in his career – uh, he bats 226 and 236 uh, in the two months. So he is a um, he's consistent, slow starter, and he usually breaks out of it June, July. And then, you know, he'll be Brian Dozier, but uh, always a better second-half player. Yeah, to tack on what Nick said, too, this is three years in a row um, that he's starting off with a sub-200 ISO and then just turning it on. So, yeah, I'm with you guys. I'm, I'm buying Brian Dozier, essentially. <laughs> Okay, let's move to Rafael Devers, who homered tonight. Uh, 237, 286, 418. Uh, those numbers, of course, change because he went from eight homers to nine homers. Uh, 19 runs, 26 RBI, one stolen base. What do we think about Rafael Devers? 
Yeah, so I'm definitely in it. I don't think you could really say it's, he's having that bad a year. I don't know if he really belongs on this list. Uh, the only thing that, that's kind of scary is the 286 OPP. It was I sort of tough to find a struggling third baseman, to be honest. I got you. Um, but, yeah, so I'm really confident in this kid that he's going to turn around as far as batting average and OBP go because uh, as far as the track record, AAA, AA, he's a guy who's been like, you know, 340-plus every, you know, year after year. Uh, I think the walks will go up a little bit and the K rate will come down. He's definitely not a 26% K rate kind of guy. Um, and I really like the power and I like where he's batting in the lineup. And yeah, the average doesn't look so good and um, he, he's striking out a lot, but he does have the eight home runs and the counting stats are good. He's got 26 RBIs already. And right now, like we said before, he's batting six in the lineup. And yes, yeah, six isn't the sexiest spot in any lineup, but he's batting behind JD, Xander. They got Pedroia coming back. So I, I don't see why the RBI uh, totals would take a hit anytime soon. He's going to continue to rake in that category, and I, I like Devers a lot. I would go out and try and buy him. Yeah, Devers' weakness right now is, is his difficulty hitting lefties and um, his reduced ability to fight off pitches outside of the zone as his, his outside contact and subsequently his overall contact percentages are down. Um, end of the day – uh, me and Pat, we own him in our dynasty league, um, and so we've been following him for quite a bit. And I think he's just too good of a hitter to sit around 240. Um, I don't know if he's got 280 in him if he's struggling this much against lefties, um, but he's probably safe for 265, 270. Uh, the pop is still fine, and like Nick mentioned, hitting in the Red Sox lineup is like the best thing you can do for your accounting stats. So, yeah, he's just someone you got to wait out. Yeah, I, I think that expectations for Devers were maybe a little bit too high coming into the year based upon how he closed the last year. And a lot of that was uh, tied to a Babbitt that was 342. Um, you know, I know he also went on a pretty big power surge, which he is certainly capable of. You know, if you look at him last year and this year combined, he's currently at 430 plate appearances. The Babbitt sits about 315. And I think that's right. And I think that makes him about a 265, 270 hitter at this point. So, I mean, I think it's reasonable to expect that the rest of the way. And he's got 25, 30 homer full season pop. So, I mean, I think he's going to be fine. I, I don't see much um, that tells me that he's going to struggle. Uh, he's a player that can certainly improve in certain aspects, uh, which you guys outlined. And I think he will over time. I don't know that. He's going to find it in this month or in this season. Uh, so that might be more of a long-term take. I've got a lot of confidence in Devers as a player, um, eventually becoming a, a top-end hitter. I've comped him to Jose Abreu on a number of occasions, and I think that that's still a, a comp that I like because he's got that sort of power um, profile and 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 the ability to hit for a high average over time because he's got very good back control. He does need to get the O swing in line, but you know I think that will come with time. So I, I think he's a perfectly fine asset. I, I don't think he's going to be any sort of uh, game changer, but if you can get him on the cheap right now, I'd recommend it because that Boston lineup is humming and he's been a beneficiary of it to this point. And I think. If the BABIP's going to tick up, he can be even a bigger beneficiary of it. Okay, Orlando Arcia, two homers, two steals, 208, 248, 292 slash 
nine runs, 13 RBI. Nick, I'm going to let you kick this one off because I believe you were kind of on this guy before the year began. Oh, damn it, Pat. God, you always got to throw me under the bus. <laughs> um, yeah, this guy, this guy stinks. What was I thinking? This is one of my bad calls. You know, I, had I a was lot of way calls. off. Yeah, I had a lot of good calls, so don't tarnish my record with this shit. I wasn't that high on the guy. I liked him. I wasn't crazy about him. Um, yeah, so there's a lot going on with this guy right now. The swinging strike rate is up. The contact rates are down. He is not getting on base at all. He's a 243 OBP. Yowza. And he's batting ninth and he's batting eighth and ninth on this Milwaukee Brewer lineup. So he's got absolutely no counting stats. Um, stay away. He's not going to get the at-bats. And, you know, his power speed potential just isn't good enough to live with if he's batting 203. Um I, I just just stay away, run away, get rid of him, drop him. Yeah, so he needs some sort of mechanical change to his swing or swing path as his line drive rate sits at 13% and his ground ball rate is 60%. Mm. So it's awful. And the problem is, is that he's not actually really that fast as he's 200 plus in sprint speed score. And Pat, I vividly remember you mentioning on our shortstop outline the fact that he's not very efficient at stealing and he's shown no aggressiveness on the base pass base paths this year. He's just looking more and more like a bust unless if he makes some sort of swing change. Yeah. I mean, I don't think we can close the book on a guy that's 23 years old, but he's had 900 big league plate appearances at this point, And that's with the 74 WRC plus. So I, I think at this point we're in strict wait and see mode. I think Joe's right. I think he's going to need to undergo some sort of change either in swing or philosophy or both in order to cash in. Um, the K's are up slightly. The walks are down. And I think the K's might even start to tick higher. He's got a 13.7% swing strike rate. He's got poor discipline with the 36% O swing. And the bad ball profile is a mess. He's hitting more grounders. The line drive rate is just 12%. Soft contact is 23.8%. Hard contact, 28.7%. Yeah, he's he's a, he's a mess at this point. And in redraft, I think if you haven't cut bait already, I think you need to because I, I don't see much of a chance that this is going to get better uh, anytime soon. And Milwaukee's good, too. Milwaukee's not going to roll him out there just to roll him out there. I know he's very good defensively, but... Um, you know, they're not going to waste their window of opportunity if they can see an upgrade, um, you know, at some point this season, because that's one of the few spots where I think they can upgrade. And, you know, I could easily see them, you know, not moving on entirely from Arcia, but putting him into a bench role for the rest of the season and maybe acquiring somebody to play shortstop for them. Okay, Billy Hamilton. Another hitter, 203, 296, 301 slash. Two homers, eight steals, 23 runs, 13 RBI. Nick, I'm going to go back to you because you could hardly contain yourself before. What's going on with Billy Hamilton? Yeah. Uh, What's going on is the usual. He sucks. This guy is absolutely terrible. And I don't understand how he's being drafted so high uh, every year. I mean, I get it, like, this season, maybe you thought he was going to be batting leadoff and that Winker wouldn't be put in the top spot or 
you know, Peraza, one of these other guys wouldn't be up there, but that's exactly what happened because this guy cannot hit anything. Unfortunately, I received him in a trade, uh, but I got him as a sweetener. And, you know, he's a good sweetener because people still are, like, so attracted to his sexy speed. But he doesn't get on base. And if he doesn't get on base, he can't steal bases. Um, he's so bad. You know, we used to laugh about uh, – we brought up in the offseason how last year he had – 633 plate appearances. That's a that's a healthy number. And he had 38 RBIs. The year before he had 17. 17. That's 17. I know. I, these are like my favorite stats ever. 17. I um, almost got more RBI than he, he did. And, yeah, and they come with they they come with bad <laughs> averages. They come with bad averages. It comes with bad everything else. He doesn't have any pop really. Well, he's not even on so, pace to steal that many stolen bases this year. I know, he's well, he's, he's on pace for like ninth. 30. Yeah, he's batting ninth. But, you know, you're, you're selling your soul for steals is what you're doing. You're hurting yourself. You're hurting more than you're helping. And if you're at the point where you have no steals on your team, you might as well just have no steals. Take the loss. All he can do is hurt you. He's striking out 30% of the time right now. He's batting ninth on the Reds. So... It is very bleak for Hamilton right now, and I've watched him recently, and I can tell you that he is the most lost at the plate I've ever seen anyone. <laughs> ever. Okay, Joe, you have anything to add to that? No. No, I t- uh, the only thing I have to add is I take back what I said before, and I'm with Nick. I- I'm a fool for even contemplating for a second that Billy Hamilton is worth owning. He's worse. I, I do just want to elaborate on one point because when Nick said it the other day, I, I thought it was a, a fantastic point. Hamilton is a such an intriguing player, not because he's good, but because he will always have value. And he'll have value because the market will always value him. And... The market is also what leads to him being overdrafted as a as an asset, but you know he is sort of like a closer, and you know, you know how you bridge the gap between two players when you're trying to trade. You, you maybe you throw a closer or a reliever in there, and Hamilton is that same sort of piece in my eyes where you just kind of throw him in there as a sweetener and it is a good way to get a deal done. But that's not going to make anybody that drafted him, you know, in round five or six or seven feel any better about it. Um, you know, unfortunately it's just a bad pick and you know, it, I don't even know that it's going to get any better. He's He's been hitting in the back of the lineup. You guys have outlined the approach has actually gotten worse this year. The volume isn't there because he's not hitting leadoff. And I believe he's in the last year of his deal. So there's a good chance he gets traded. And if he gets traded, he's going to end up probably being like a fourth outfielder defensive replacement type. And then if the volume that. is even going to be worse. Well, no, he can be that because he's a fantastic defender. Yo, yeah. he's gonna he's gonna end up on like the Indians. He's like such an Indians guy. Actually, yeah. they have Rajah Davis still. So, yeah, like, and you know uh, that's and I was gonna bring up Rajah Davis just now. Like 
you look at the year after year, there's always those like veterans or like those breakout steals guys. Like Ender, the yo, Revere. how about Ender? Ender of Worlds, uh, Ben Revere, uh, uh, Jared Dyson. Um, he's, yeah, he's Rajai Davis, Ra- Emilio Bonifacio to go back even more. <laughs> but but like like what I'm saying is all those guys hit for two forty plus, you know. And like I, I just don't get it. Like I don't get how Hamilton still has the name power. I don't get it. I I got it when he was coming up because he was stealing. Like people thought he was gonna steal hundred bases when he got up, and we were like, no, he's not gonna get on base that much. We said it from day one. Um, but yeah, it's time to abandon ship. And I think next year we're going to see the first year where Hamilton's ADP is going to show it. He's going to be like in the 20, you know, 200 plus ish range. Maybe. <laughs> Maybe. You yeah. just never know, know with him. Yeah. Um, you never know. You know, and it's, it's really funny because I almost feel like Hamilton is a better asset um, in a head-to-head format in a daily, particularly in a daily lineup format where you can kind of plug him in when you need the speed and plug him out when you don't, as opposed to a roto format where he seems so much more popular. And I've never really understood that because you kind of have to, you know, take all the bad that comes with him to really get, the steals that you're looking for. Whereas if you're operating in more of a daily lineup format, you can avoid a lot of the bad and only plug him in when you need the speed. He's just endlessly intriguing to me because I just, I I don't understand the market's take on him. Um, Okay. Well, let's move it along though to Andrew McCutcheon, 248, 356, 394 triple slash. With three homers, three steals, 27 runs, 19 RBI. Joe, I know you took a close look at him. What do you think? Sure, yeah. So Kutch represents a a pretty darn good buy low opportunity. He's hitting a ridiculous amount of hard contact at 48%. That's backed up in the StatCast data as he's 83rd in barrels per batted ball event. He's clearly hitting the ball well. His contact, swing strike rates, and other discipline rates all look pretty in line with his career. Um, Some of these balls should start landing over the fence. And it's the pop that you need to come back, as the speed is right around 10 to 12 stolen bases, which which is what you would have banked on. So, again, if some of these balls start finding their way over the fence, it's pretty vintage catch. And, um, and again, he's hitting the ball just so hard. I think he – I think you can get him – you know, at, at a fairly good value. I'll look up some trades while you guys go. Uh, yeah, I, I like I like Kutch as well. Um, I I looked at the stat cast and ninety two point six six exit velo is pretty sexy. Um, that goes along with a fourteen point seven five launch angle. Uh, so that looks good. Everything insinuates that the power is going to come. Uh, you got to wait and see. I mean, it's not a hitter's ballpark, but we I don't know what the San Francisco coaching is. Pat, you want to say something? Yeah, I was just going to say that the the San Francisco ballpark is kind of funny because it really plays more league average for right-handed right-handed hitters. It really only crushes lefty power. So, okay. I don't think that that would really affect him all that much. 
But yeah, I mean, 27% line drive rate, 50% pull rate, 48% hard contact. The only number that doesn't add up is the 6.4% home and a fly ball rate. Um, that's going to swing and it could swing to, you know, I, I think possibly a career high if he keeps the fly balls, the pull approach and that hard contact level. Plus he's swinging less outside the zone. He's at 18%. That's a career low. So he's being more selective. He's swinging harder and that's in hopes of producing more power. And I think it's going to come. Yeah. And I'm, I'm starting to think that the, the coaching staff as a whole has taken a new direction with the team. I mentioned Longo and his exit velo and launch angle resurgence this year. We just talked about McCutcheon's. And then you look at Brandon Belt, who has a 24.65 launch angle this year with a 91-mile-per-hour exit velo as well. So there's something going on in San Fran, uh, and it's working for Belt. It's all of a sudden working for Longo, and I think McCutcheon's next in line. This is an interesting lineup going forward. So some of these trades, um, this one is like the perfect sell high, buy low. Kutch for CJ Cron. Um, yeah, I would do that. I would. I, like I would Kron. sell. Yeah, I like Cron, so I would. I would sell him for Kutch. Yeah. Okay. So there's Kutch for Stalin Castro. No. Well, you mean trade? Yeah, I want. I want Kutch. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Kutch. Just tell me which side you want. Obvious. Okay. Um. Let's see who else we got. We got Kutch, Incarnacion, and Chad Green for Stanton, Stanton. Uh, and Matt Davidson. Stanton. Stanton and Matt Davidson. Is it close though? No, it's it's Stanton alone. I would I would rather have Stanton. If it was Matt Davidson alone, <laughs> <laughs> sexy Matt Davidson. All right. So, oh wait, I got one more. Uh, Kutch and Newcomb for Suarez, Junior Suarez, and Wilson Contreras. I want the Kutch side. No. Kutch and Newcomb for, for Junior Suarez and Wilson Contreras. It's close. It's close. It's I think I think I want the Suarez Contreras side. I think I want the Contreras side just because of the catcher. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Manny Margot, one homer, five steals, thirteen runs, eleven RBIs, one ninety four average, a five thirty four OPS. This is not good. Uh, he's been in and out of the lineup, and that's because the Padres have a crowded outfield situation and it's only going to get more crowded with Will Myers and Hunter Renfro due to to return. Uh, The walk rate and the K rate are both down just a tick. Uh, 235 BABIP, which, I mean, I'm sure you've noticed a trend tonight when it comes to the BABIPs. They're all low. Um, But the X BABIP is only 265, so he deserves only a little bit better and not quite up to last year's 309. The line drive rate is down over 6%. The grounders are up. The infield fly ball percentage is up when he is hitting the fly balls. Um, there was much discussion about Margot's launch angle increase in the second half last year. That has dissolved. Um, the hard contact and his pull percentage are being wasted with a 50-plus percent ground ball profile. Um, it's a slump, but with where people were drafting Manny Margot you really needed improvement over what he did last year to justify the cost. It's not there and he's regressed. So even if he bounces back to last year's level, 
Margot is very much a borderline asset in 12-team mixers. Um, and, you know, like I said, I, I have concerns about the playing time. Um, Myers from the DL, Renfro from the DL, uh, Frenchie Cordero has been good. Fernmiel Reyes has come up. Travis Jankowski, who Nick mentioned tonight, is hitting very well. They all can't play all the time. Would you rather have who? Who out of that bunch would you rather have of Margot, if not all of them? Uh, I do not like Will Myers, but certainly Will Myers. Uh, Franchi, definitely Franchi. And I think I probably take Renfro over him at this point too. I don't know that you know, Renfro's going to play. I, I don't know. It's very close between him and Jankowski, and that feels dirty. You know, it, it, it sucks to send a kid back down, but he is just 23. You don't want to hurt his confidence. But, I mean, 142 plate appearances, you cannot sport in this league a 234 OBP. You can't. You, you cannot play at this level. So – I think he gets sent down soon, unfortunately. Yeah, I think so, too. I, I think he's going get, to end up getting sent down, too. Uh, he probably has two options left. Yeah, because yeah, he got sent down in 17. Okay. Just just wanted to make sure that he could still get sent down. Okay, uh, Joe, do you have anything to add on Margot, or can we move along? No, nah, let's, let's go on. Okay, you Darvish. 495 ERA, 1.43 whip, 11.03 K per nine, 4.73 walks per nine. Nick, what's your take on you, Darvish? Yeah, this guy looks bad, man. He's all over the place. I watched him start the other day, uh, his last start, and he could not hit the strike zone. He was missing every, uh, he was missing every location possible, and I don't know, man. Something's going on with guys transitioning to Chicago. It seems to not be working out so well. Uh, Quintana had some issues. Lester's having it, you know, had issues last year and this year so far. And now Darvish just looks awful. Uh, I'm a bit worried. He's now 31 years old. He's been somewhat injury prone in the bigs, and now he's lost his control. Uh, the, the strikeouts will always be sexy, but he's a tough sell right now because he is really all over the place. I'm bailing it. I'm not buying. And I was big on Darvish in the beginning of the season. Okay. So this is the fun part. Disagreement. Because starting pitching is so much fun. It's not necessarily a disagreement, but I want to go really deep in this analysis. So, right, it's all about the fastball with Darvish. So he's fallen behind batters more than ever with the career low first strike percentage. Um, and, And that's that likely means he's using his fastball more behind in the count. And the fastball is what he's lost control of. So the fastball is also not generating whiffs at nearly the clip they did last year, which was 26% of the time versus now 17% of the time. The whiffs alone aren't the only problem. Um, he's missing the zone almost 8% more than last year. Wait, with the Joe, fastball. I just want to back up. Yeah. He had a 26% whiff rate on his fastball? Uh, that might be That might be wrong. That might oh actually I got this from Stackass, which I think the whiff rates are wrong on their pitches. Okay, yeah, I, that strikes me as wrong. Okay, definitely wrong. So, okay, yeah. So, but he's uh he's missing the zone eight percent more with the fastball. So, in general, right, he's falling behind batters more, and then subsequently he's missing more with the fastball after falling behind batters. So, right, it's just like compounding and bad. Now, 
to get to to get to some more analysis on potentially why, right? In 16 and 17, when he was below three walks per nine, he had the highest vertical release point on his fastball. Now in 2018, he's back down to where he was in 2012 through 15, where he had uh, walks per nine rates of greater than three and upwards of four. So this is this is purely a mechanical issue with where he's releasing his fastball. And someone in Chicago has to catch this before it's too late. Did you see that the swinging strike is also down, like across the board, on everything except for the slider, like way down? Let me get the whiff rates on that fastball. Yeah, before the, the, fastball like eight, the fastball is 8.9%. 8.9%. Okay. And what and was it last year? 10.7. Okay. The slider is up. The slider is up, but the sinker's down, the cutter's down, everything else is down. It's it's not the it's not the whiff rates that are really the concern though, because I mean, sure, the strikeout rates, uh, it's actually up from last year. It's just that the, he's got no command, and it's strictly just a mechanical thing. So he can be fixed, is my point. I'm not sure if he's going to be, but he can be, and someone's got to catch it. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, and it's not and it's not just the control though. I mean, the other issue has been the home runs. Um, he's got a 17.5 homer to fly ball rate, which would be the highest of his career, and he's got that despite surrendering just 27% hard contact. And Joe, to your point, I think what's happening is is that he's lost control, and then he's grooving pitches in an yeah, attempt to get the strikes man. over. Yeah, and they're they're getting crushed. So, I mean, I, I totally agree with your analysis. I think that this is a mechanical issue, and I think the release points bear that out. Um, now, the question is whether it's a mechanical issue because he's lost feel or, um, you know, he's just doesn't have control of what his arm and body are doing at this point or whether he's hiding an injury. Yeah, he could be hiding an injury. But – to that point, there is no real issue with the velocity across the board. So most likely it's a mechanical issue and it's just a mechanical issue, which I think makes him a buy for me. Now, the other thing that I pointed out to you earlier today, and the next guy we're going to talk about is Jose Quintana, but this is a new team. He's got new catchers. Um, he's generating less swings out of the zone. Um, so I think the quality of his misses might be off, and I think there might be an issue with the catching in Chicago. Um, and, you know, we're going to talk about Quintana, and I'm going to get into it Let's just roll there. right into it. Let's just okay, roll right so, into it. All right, so Quintana, 4.47 ERA, 1.47 whip, 8.38 K per nine, 4.66 walks per nine. Um, so, I mean, the walks are way up with Quintana. Uh, the Ks are down year over year and way down from post-trade last year. Um, the batted ball profile doesn't hint for much better for him. He's got a 37% hard contact rate. That's the highest of his career. The 14% soft percentage is the second lowest of his career. Um, unlike Darvish, his fastball is down a tick, which is especially bad because Quintana's throwing it more than ever at 68%. And also, Unlike Darvish, there's no real sign that there's any kind of mechanical issue. Um, there's no release point inconsistency. Um, you know, I was concerned last month. I remain concerned. I, I, I think that, again, Quintana is 
um, you know, struggling to, to get ahead. I think he's struggling to stay ahead. I think he's struggling to get the called strikes that he normally relies on. And, you know, that's because his stuff isn't overwhelming. He's really a two pitch guy and he is a guy that has never really relied on whiffs to get um, his K's and his outs. And, uh, you know, if the catching and the framing isn't great, he's not going to get the called strikes and that's going to result in, you know, walks and an increased walk rate. So I think that might be what's going on there. Yeah, the surprising thing with Katana is the, the control and the command. I mean, this is a guy that's been extremely consistent in those categories over the last, you know, since he's been in the league. And when he went to the Cubs, everybody was like, oh, my God, Katana is going to be so good in Wrigley. And it just hasn't worked out that way yet. Um, right now, though, on the year, yeah, there are some negatives, but let's take some positives. The positives, the ground ball rate is up 45.3%. Um, and he has looked good in some starts this year. He's had some blow-ups, and he's had some good starts. The other thing to look at is he's been a very bad – I said it before, and this goes with Quintana as well – a bad um, – he has he, he's consistently has bad starts to the seasons. Even when he was with the White Sox, he usually turns it up in June, July, and the, the second half of the, se- the year. Uh, that's something to look at as well. I'm buying Quintana more than Darvish just because he's – doesn't have the injury prone tag. And um, I don't know. I just, I just think the control and the command on, on him in Quintana, it has been a lot more consistent than Darvish over the last couple of years. Okay. Um, just, just to add on to something, right. Quintana's got nine starts, right. In four of them, he's given up four earned runs or more. Um, one of them was in Colorado. And then the other two were against Atlanta. So, Atlanta might just have his number. Atlanta just might have his number. Atlanta has everyone's number. Yeah. Well, I mean, Nick, just to just to your point, I mean, but isn't there something to like Quintana normally starts slow, I get that, but he's also showing struggling signs that he's never shown before in terms of, you know, this level of problems with his control and his command of his pitches. So, I mean, isn't that more yeah, no, of a reason worse. to be concerned? It's definitely, it's definitely worrisome. And the dip in velo, yeah, it's only like, it's only like one mile per hour, but it's in that 92 mile per hour uh, phase, which is the danger zone. Like you don't want to get down to 91 point something. Um, and that's where he is. So yeah, it's, it's dangerous, but I just think he's more reliable than you. You Darvish, and I don't know. I, I'm, I'm a big fan of Quintana's, I, and he's in the right ballpark. I don't know. I, I just I buy Quintana over Darvish. Okay, let's move to Chris Archer. 5.01 ERA, 1.35 whip, 8.65 K per nine, 2.88 walks per nine. Nick, why don't you kick us off with your take on Chris Archer? Ah, uh, most one of the most frustrating guys in baseball, to own. Uh, but so far this year, the walks are pretty good. Uh, the walks are down. They were down last year, and um, you know when he this is a guy when he first came up, walks were a problem. But he's gotten better year after year. So now I think he's in the circle of trust as far as the control and the command go. The only problem is he's not striking out guys. 
He gives, he's giving up a ton of home runs. Um, and, you know, we, we've seen this from Archer before. I think it's just a matter of him being an inconsistent pitcher. He's the a poor man's cost, Martinez, and they're both going to hurt you in the same ways. They're both going to go out and look great in some starts, and they're going to go out and get blown up. They're going to go out and look bad month to month, and they're going to go out and kill for a couple of months in a row. It's just how these guys work. Um, so I'm buying Archer. I don't see any issues uh, beneath the service as well. I'm buying Archer. Ooh, Nick, you got to dig a little bit deeper, uh, sir. All right, so Archer's fastball hasn't been good. Uh, by Woba standards, right? Weighted on base average since 2015, right? And unsurprisingly, that's the last time he posted an ERA under 4.0. Cool, right? So Archer's another one with some mechanical issues. Um, so over the past three years, right, from his average uh, horizontal release point, right? So that's pretty much how he's throwing his arm slot sideways, right? Over the past three years from 16 and including this year, it's 22% further away from his body when compared to the average over 2013 and 2015 when he was much sharper with the fastball and subsequently his ERA was much better. This year specifically, he's 32% further from his body, which is even further than the average of the past three years. So he's, he's getting actually even mechanically worse on his fastball. And I think that's why he's he's got the results he's got and i'm not sure he's really a buy low and i wouldn't be buying chris archer yeah but oh wait are you saying that like last year was a bad year for him fantasy wise like uh, era wise yeah but that's that's what i mean like so i i could live with the 4.07 era that he had last year if it comes with 249 keys 4.7 yeah. yeah but 4.7 is below league average no it wasn't 4.7 it was like 4.07 yeah, oh, 4.07. 4. Okay, that's like that's better. Yeah, that's yeah. better than league average. Yeah, I mean, yeah, but know, he's they, not that right now. Sorry, sorry, Pat, but he's not that right now. No, he's not. He's not, and that's fair. Yeah, but but the whip isn't crazy. It's I mean, it's one point three five. That's not like yeah, but I mean, dude, his fastball is getting crushed. Yeah, well, it's it, that, like, and the K's are like way down too. Yeah, but the K's are going to come up. Look at the swinging strike on. Are the they though? And the are they though, dude? If you can't, if if you can't get a fast, a gimme fastball over, if you can't steal strikes, you can't throw your slider all the time. Okay, but the slider swinging strike percentage is up, and the changeup is up this year. That's, the changeup is terrible. Yeah, but it's it's Dude, causing swing and miss at the moment. He's literally now a one pitch pitcher. Well, how is he a one pitch? He throws the fa- the fastball on the slider. Yeah, I know, but the fastball gets killed. That's what I'm saying. I don't know. I'm not buying. Okay. I mean, Pat? I'm I am I am willing to buy, but I will acknowledge the K percentage being down is. Concerning Nick, your point about the swinging strike rate is valid. It's thirteen point four percent. You know, if if he can find a way to make the fastball work and get it back to being more of a two pitch pitcher and a two pitch mix. I mean, obviously he's throwing the two pitches, but you know, two pitches that work together. Um, you know, I, I think he's. I think, and I think he will because we've seen stretches like this from him before where. He he really struggles. He's a pitcher that goes through 
streaks where he is, you know, extremely frustrating to own and then lights out for a month and then back to being extremely frustrating. Um, the hard contact is a career worse. It's up a little bit from last year. Uh, he's allowing more pulled contact than before. The homers per nine are up at a 1.37 rate, which is a career high, but that's not out of line with recent levels. I, I just think we're looking at a pitcher that is what he is at this point. And I think we've kind of tried to rope him into a box where he's a little bit better than what he actually is. Um, you know, he's not a pitcher that's going to that's gonna be mid to low threes in terms of ERA. He's more of a guy that's going to float around four with a lot of strikeouts and a lot of ups and downs in terms of his ownership. Uh, excuse me, a lot of ups and downs in terms of his uh, results, not ownership. Um, you know, he's going to give you an abundance of case. He's going to give you the innings. But at times they're going to be frustrating. And I think he's much more of a uh, top, 30 type pitcher than he is a top 15 pitcher, which is where he was being drafted. I agree with that. But, you know, with that said, I'm obviously, obviously a top 30 pitcher, top 30, top 35 pitcher has value. And as a result, I'm willing to buy him if I can get him for something beyond that. You have any trades, Joe? Uh, I'm, I'm going to think of a couple, like just, just straight up. Like who would you rather have? Sure. So, would you would you rather have Mikolas right now or Archer? Mikolas. See, I, I I think I'd rather have Archer. That's a strict team construction thing, because they are extremely different pitchers. Yeah, but in a vacuum, who would you rather have right now going forward? Um, give me Archer, but I don't feel great about it. Okay, wait, let me look up some. Let's cue Joe looking up trade music. All right, okay. Would you- Go ahead, go, go, go. Go no, go. no, no. Uh, I was going to ask if you would do um, if you would would you do Hater for uh, for Archer straight up? Hater for Archer. Uh, in a vacuum, yes, but again, that's a really team construction yeah. sort of issue. Yeah, it's like too too team constructiony for me. But yeah, in a vacuum, I think I'd rather have Archer. Um, Archer for Xander. Um, no, give me Xander. Even though I don't, I'm not crazy I about either I'd, guy to be honest. I'd ra- I love Xander, but I'd rather have Archer. I think I'd rather have Bogarts. Yeah, there's, there's like he's in, he's been in a lot of package deals. Um, not a lot of one for one swaps. So, would you rather have him or Lance McCullers? McCullers, obviously. Oh, sure. I think I'd rather have McCullers. He had 242 Ks last year. That's, that's elite territory. Okay. Yeah, but he's, he's not on that pace right All now. All right, let me, let me give you one more. Archer or Masahiro Tanaka? <laughs> Tanaka, definitely. Not even close. Uh, I think I'd rather have Archer. Oh. Go down yeah, with the ship, Joe. I'd still rather have Tanaka. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's all right, guys. I'm putting, that. I'm putting him on the outline for next week. You guys are gonna, you guys are gonna get it. All right, make sure you put Garrett Richards on there too. All right, Luke Weaver. <laughs> yeah, with his three point five ERA, I'll do that. Uh, Luke Weaver, four point three seven ERA, one point two seven WHIP, seven point nine nine K per nine, 
3.23 walks per nine. Nick, this was your guy. Yeah. Still my guy. Um, yeah, so ah boy, this hurts. This hurts. Uh it doesn't look good right now. Um watching Weaver tonight and watching his last couple of starts, uh the command just isn't as sharp as advertised advertised. It's not definitely not as sharp as last year. Uh, he was a guy I was really excited about. I think last year the um, the key rate was definitely a bit inflated. He's not a 10.74 or 10 plus K per nine kind of guy. Uh, but I do think that when he hits his stride this year, that will even out around the nine mark. And the base on balls will come down. He's at 3.23 now. I think that that'll come down around like 2.65, 2.6. Which is a nice healthy ratio. Um, he's not giving up home runs, and he induces a pretty good amount of ground balls. So uh, overall, I think he's going to be fine. I just think that my expectations of what I thought he'd be were a bit higher than where he is now. I thought that w- what I was hoping for was to see him out of the gate, take a big step, you know, maybe be more successful with the curveball. That's been the issue this year. Um, he's throwing it more than ever, and it's just hasn't been successful at all. Um, but like I said, I, 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 the command is elite when he's on. And I think it, I think as the season goes along, the ERA is going to come down, the whip is going to come down, and the ratios are going to get really strong. But I, I had him and Luis Castillo like side by side, like going into all drafts with Castillo as the really, really, really high upside guy. And I don't know how he's not on this list, by the way, as the really high upside guy. Because we can't talk and about every pitcher ever. I know, but he's <laughs> – he's, you know. um, But, yeah, I, so bottom line is this. I, I'm buying Luke Weaver. I'm going out and buying him. Um, but I'm also shopping him. I don't know. <laughs> oh, what a Nick move. Yeah. Wait, I love the guy. All right, all right. So, wait, we didn't, actually, we didn't actually talk about this, but is he the odd man out? In St. Louis? Uh, you know what? I Flaherty threw one really good start. And I, I own Flaherty and Weaver, and I'd rather Weaver get bounced. That's how good Flaherty is. Um, they should. If I'm the Cardinals manager, I'm putting Michael Walker in the pen. Okay? Well, he's, he it. has done it before. Yeah, I'm putting Walker in the pen, He's and he's been successful in the pen. Um, and... <sighs> And I'm rolling with a really strong five. I mean, Weaver, Martinez, uh, Mikolas, Reyes, and who's the fifth again? What am I missing? Reyes? Flaherty. Oh, Flaherty. You said right, yeah. Like, that's a really good five. Like, let the young guys flourish. Put the old shit bag in the bullpen, and let's call it a day. All right. Well, I mean, when I'm looking at Weaver, I, I think it's a very much a mixed bag. The K's are down, yeah. which was somewhat expected. Uh, the swing strike rate has stayed flat. Uh, it was 9.6 last year. It's 9.5 this year. The walks are up, which is frustrating considering his plus command and control profile. Um, the homer per nine is way down, 0.57, which helps explain the near full run difference between his FIP and XFIP. The BABIP is also down at 292. He's been a career 333 guy. Um, Nick mentioned the grounders, but the grounders are actually down. They're down about 5%, down to 44.5% from where he was last year, uh, which could help explain the Babbitt change. 
Um, strangely enough, despite better luck on balls in play and on homers, Weaver is stranding just 66% of his runners. Something has to give there. Um, despite the shift in bad ball mix, Weaver is still displaying elite skills, at limiting damage and contact. He's at 25.7% hard contact, which again helps explain the BABIP and the lack of homers. Given the park, the contact authority skill, a history of limit, limiting homers in the minors, uh, he might be able to keep the homers sub one. But I'm wondering, and this is speculation, if his inability to keep the ball in the yard in his brief major league sample has led Weaver to nibble a little bit more and thus resulted in more walks. His zone percentage is down 6%. Perhaps he's deciding not to give in, throw a strike, um, and subject himself to a potential homer and more willing to walk an opposing hitter uh, as opposed to grooving a pitch and giving up the homer. Overall, you know, I'm kind of like, I kind of want to buy. I'm a moderate buy, I want to say. I am concerned that maybe he's the guy that gets booted. Um, so I wouldn't go all out to acquire him. Yeah, because you know what? He does have, two, like, he's 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 a two-pitch pitcher, really. Like, the curve has been shit. So, I mean, it kind of does make sense to boot him. I, I still think, though, that Walker would be better in the pen, but... Over the last two weeks, just to let you guys know, Weaver has a 1.29 ERA, a 0.71 whip, and um, he hasn't been walking many guys. And he looked good tonight again. I know it was against Kansas City, but regardless, um, he looked a little more sharp tonight, a little more crisp. And the curve actually looked pretty good tonight, having watched it. Um, so, yeah, it's, he's not the sexiest name because of the Ks, but... I don't know. I think he could turn in like a very, very Kyle Hendricks, Kyle Hendricks esque season this season, when it's all said and done. Yeah, I, I think it's just going to be hard to boot Waka. I know he's been in the pen, but it's just hard to boot him when he's pitching well. So you, right? like, you think it's you think it's Weaver over Flaherty too? Uh, n- no. Uh, I don't know. I, I mean. They they've already shown that they're they're willing to to send Flaherty back down even when he was pitching well before. So it still might be Flaherty. I mean, it's all speculation, to be honest. I don't really know. Send Carmart down. No, <laughs> I know. I just hate him. No, <laughs> no. All right, let's move to Danny Duffy. Six point eight eight ERA, one point seven three WHIP. 7.94K to 9, and a 4.41 walks per 9. Oh, my God. Do you guys want me to take this ugliness? 2.47 home runs per 9. Yeah. Wow, that's, like, almost impossible. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, seriously. Yeah, this profile is a disaster, Uh, and it's really tough to find the good here. Um, The Ks are down. The walks are up. The homers are way up. The ground ball percentage was already low to begin with. Now it's all the way down to 32%. The contact management is also bad. A lot of balls in the air, 40% hard contact allowed. Uh, There is no issue with the fastball velocity year over year, though. Um, But he is throwing his breaking stuff less often, and I think that's probably the issue. He's lacking command and control of his breaking stuff, then being forced to throw the fastball for strikes, and it's getting completely obliterated 
The zone percentage is down nearly 7%. The first strike percentage is down 6%. So, I mean, as awful as it looks, there is some hope here. Um, he finds whatever is messing up his breaking stuff, and he could turn it around and surge. But in the meantime, you can't afford to start him, and you can only afford to carry him if you have the bench space. And I'm not even sure I would carry him anyway because, let's face it, Danny Duffy was like a number three-ish, number four-ish starter, um, you know, even when he's at his best. So I think you cut bait, you pick someone else up. We've gone over the names already tonight that are available. They're readily available. They're quality players. Um, and you just watch Duffy closely and make sure that if he, you know, starts to find the breaking stuff over the course of two or three starts, the overall numbers aren't going to come back up to the extent somebody else is going to grab him. And then at that point, you can dive back in and, you know, hopefully get a pitcher that you thought you were going to get uh, when you drafted him. Yeah, I remember I used to think Duffy was going to be like really good like back in like 2014. <clears throat> it just hasn't happened. The K rate is down, down. The walk rate is up, up. It just looks terrible. And the craziest part of any of this is the the Royals starting rotation right now. If you look at the ERAs combined, it's averaging out at like a six. Hamill is an eight. Duffy is six plus. Scoglin is six plus, And Kennedy's like five, nine. It's insanity. But uh, that has nothing to do with Duffy. Uh, <laughs> he stinks. Don't pick him up. Don't start him. Don't buy him. He's going to stink the rest of the season. So, so, something I looked at too, Pat, to add to the, uh, the pitch mix uh, discussion. So uh, on Duffy's slider... He's he's not just missing his spots on the slider, but he's missing right down the middle. So I I compared um 2018's uh uh what is it called? What the uh like zo- like his his percentages in each of the zones of the strike zone. I can't heat map quadrants. Okay, yeah. Yeah, heat map. His heat map for his slider from 2018 and 2017. So like typically it's like outside the zone low and away right which is what you want in 17 this year it's eight percent of the time it is dead center that means one in every 12 pitches he's literally putting up on middle, a team. middle. yeah he's grooving yeah. Him. yeah he's completely grooving him so he's just getting crushed all over he stinks <laughs> <laughs> all right well i mean you know if i'm the only person that believes there's hope for danny duffy That'll be the way of the world. Um, all right, let's move to the player spotlight. Nick, who are you going to spotlight this week? Your first choice. So his name's been mentioned, but we haven't dove into Daniel Mangan, and we need to. Uh, the guy is the 107th overall ranked player in all of baseball. Um, and right now, he's, I believe, he's a top 40 pitcher. Uh, so I've watched a lot of Mangan, and he looks really friggin' good, and he looks really good against really good teams. Uh, right now on the season, He's got a – let me pull it up. 3.30 ERA, 1.08 whip. That's in 57 innings pitched. And I, I, I texted you guys about a month ago um, when it was 87 combined innings between this year and last year. The end of last year, he was on fire. He was absolutely crushing. And it's continuing this season. And he's still young. Um, the most, the most uh, impressive thing is – uh, the ratios. He's not walking anyone whatsoever. But I just want to tell you guys who he's faced over the last couple of weeks. 
his last start was Toronto. Before that was Boston, Houston, Baltimore, Houston again, Boston again. He faced the Dodgers, the Angels, and these are all like top offenses. And he's still rocking that sweet 3.30 ERA. Um, he's only gotten better lately over the last two weeks, 0.86 whip. Over the last month, 1.02 whip. Um, I love him. He's a throwback. I love the old school windup. Um, he's awesome. I love the command. He has good breaking stuff. And it, I think he's taking the next step. And I think he's going to be a, a reliable, consistent pitcher this season. It, it's, it's, I don't see any signs of him slowing down or losing it or anything. The control is so – I mean, the command is so good. And the breaking stuff is really good. I, I, I just I, – I love him. Isn't I really he like what I see. Isn't he essentially like Bartolo Colon 2.0? Yeah, exactly. That's he is, but yeah, no, that's, no, a good that's time. it, right? Yeah, that's, yeah, that's it. it. That's it. <laughs> yeah, I don't, I don't have much to add. I mean, I think Magnin is, and uh, and a pitching asset that needs to be owned more, definitely. Put your mic closer. Oh, sorry. Um, I, I think Magnin is an asset that needs to be owned. Um, definitely on a larger scale, which is what I said earlier tonight. I think his ownership percentage is like 14% or something crazy like that. Um, You know, he's sort of like Michaelis, except I don't think he has the ground balls um, that Michaelis does. Uh, But, you know, he's a low uh, whip guy that's going to put forth a good ERA and not walk anybody. So, yeah, I think he's, he's an asset towards the back end of the rotation. I have different pitches consistently. Like, which is really interesting. Okay, Joe, why don't you give us your guy? All right. So uh, mine's um, FWO favorite, and it's Jesse Winker. And this is really just a question for the panel more than, um, like, some deep diving analysis. And it's just, so where is the the pop? Um, I think I remember hearing us discussing anywhere between 15 and 20 home runs if he got regular playing time. And there was a lot of love for Winker. Um, And he's got all the makings to hit some pop, I think, in the bat. Um, He's just stopped pulling his fly balls. I mean, in the short short, uh, stint last year, it was upwards of, like, I think 26%. Um, And this year, he's pulling his fly balls at a 10% clip, which... Yeah, I mean, it's just impossible to hit home runs when you're pulling the ball, pulling your fly ball 10% of the time. So I guess my real question is, do you guys think you can turn it around? Is he someone worth rostering? Is he someone that you have to keep your eye on if he gets hot? Um, or is this year going to be just a lost cause? At the moment, I think he's a guy to keep your eye on. I don't know if he's rosterable anymore just because he's being shuffled around a really bad lineup if he was locked into the leadoff role like he was earlier in the season i would say hold on because the runs are going to come and you know he's going to continue to get on base yada 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 but he's he's struggling and he's still a young player there's no doubt in my mind that the kid is going to wind up being like successful in the majors he's just extremely patient has a great eye gets on base at a huge clip like he's going to be fine as far as the pop goes one thing to look at, although like he has nothing yet this season, the exit velo is up. He's at 90 miles per hour. The launch angle is at 14.41. So I think it's only a matter of time before they start leaving the yard. And when they do, 
he's going to find every day at bats. Uh, the lineup sucks. So once he starts playing well, I think he'll solidify at some point himself at the top of the lineup and produce. Yeah, I, with Winker, I mean, I think you're right, Joe. Um, you know, the he he does have to make some sort of an approach change in terms of how he's um, swinging to to pull his fly balls more, and he probably needs to be able to pull his fly ball, balls more generally. He hasn't, um, it, it, not not pull his fly balls more generally. He has to hit more fly balls. Um, he's only hitting at 33%. Um, you know, the thought was in spring training, he seemed to be hitting more fly balls and, and you rightly pointed out that, well, you know, I mean, spring training is a small sample. Um, you know, we've seen examples, Yonder Alonso being one where, uh, you know, a, a hitter has hit more fly balls in spring training and that's carried over to the regular season. Winker is just a case where it hasn't. Um, now, I mean, the line drive percentage is way up. And he should be hitting for a higher average. And, you know, with that, his value would come up. But he really has to hit, you know, 15, 20 homers because there's not any kind of speed there. Um, and he really needs that to get the playing time because if he's going to be a 10-homer guy, it's going to be very difficult for him to get the sort of at-bats that he needs to be fantasy relevant. Um, now – you know, that outfield has been crowded. I, I've mentioned that Billy Hamilton's contract is, um, you know, in, in it, I, if it's not in the final year, it, it's in one of the final two years, and he's a potential trade candidate. If he gets moved, uh, you know, Winker should be seeing full-time at-bats, and then maybe he becomes a more valuable and viable fantasy asset. And if that occurs, yeah, he's definitely worth watching, I think. Mike Zinino just hit a two-run home run, making us look stupid. Yep, that's what happens. Okay, first guy I want to spotlight tonight, Jed Lowry. Um, we discussed Lowry a few weeks ago, so I thought it would be useful to check back in on a player that most really don't know what to make of. Um, since the calendar flipped to May, 288, 377, 485. It's not what he did in April, but the numbers are still there. The question is, are they deserved? Well, the batted ball data, which you don't want to read too much into in any three-week sample, um, has taken a bit of a turn. The fly balls are way up, and it's almost close to too high at 48%. And a lot of his hard contact has shifted to the medium, and, and it's it's a substantial shift. It's 18%. That's bad and should be bad for BABIP, which still sits at 327 now, when we spoke about him last, I think we were all in agreement that Larry was a fantasy asset and we bought into the changes to some extent, maybe like a poor man's Daniel Murphy. And I think I remain there, but since the results are still so excellent, I don't think it hurts to throw the name out there and see if someone is buying Larry as a top 75 asset. I'm with you and he, he's looked really good. Um, he's always had the hit tools, but this year he's putting it together. I, I think he's a buy, and uh, if you own him, enjoy the ride. I think he's going to be good the rest of the way. I don't see any signs of him slowing down. Okay, uh, Joe, do you have anything on Larry? Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I, I think he'll. I think he'll slow down a bit, but I think the rest of the way he can still be valuable. I wouldn't know. I, I don't know if I'd be buying, but I think like if I had him, I'd be. 
more than happy to hold on to him. He's just, like, really fun to watch, too. Yeah, he's going to be a guy that's going to be difficult to trade, I think. But I think at this point you have to throw him out there just to see if somebody will overpay for him. Okay, Nick, why don't you give us your next guy? All right, my next guy. Got to talk about Jack Flaherty a little bit, but more so because I want to hear what you guys have to say about Jack Flaherty. Uh, I've been a fan of his for a couple of years now. I've been waiting for him to come up and get his fair shot, and um, he finally got it, and he absolutely dazzled in his last start. I believe he struck out 14 and walked 13, one. 13, I think. 13 and walked one. Um, he was absolutely unhittable. The slider looked as advertised. I've been telling you guys about it for a while now. Um, and it was just all over the place. The command looked great. He looked so, so, so sharp. Um, the reason why I wanted to bring him up is because I made a comment in our in our group chat that amongst all these guys who were, you know, pitching, outperforming, out like Manaya and Junis and Newcomb, um, and uh, even, even, even guys like in the next tail, Weaver, Castillo, even Quintana, Flaherty, those guys this year. All right, I, I put him the way I see this kid evolving in the very near future is to be legit a top ten pitcher. Now, because what's going to happen is he's going to do what he did the last start again and again and again and again. He's going to strike out the world. He's really, really good when he hits ninety-seven miles per hour on the fastball and then comes through with the eighty-two mile per hour slider that starts at your head and breaks at your feet. You have no shot. He's very. He reminds me of Corbin in ways, but with more pitches, and he's already better at age twenty-two. So sky is the limit. You need to go out and pick him up right now. Yeah. So um, Nick, you you know on Sunday you uh, you were like, hey Joe, turn on uh, turn on the Cardinals game and watch it. So I did. I watched him uh, pitch against the Phillies, and it happened to be a game where he struck out thirteen. Um, and what I saw there is there was a lot of good. I mean, there was a lot of good. He he looked like a very mature pitcher. He was working in and out of the zone, um, inside and outside on hitters, um, dazzling with the slider, like you mentioned, Nick. Um, and it all came against a good Phillies lineup. You know, this this lineup isn't isn't a slouch. I, I mean, Odubel's sitting well. Hoskins is in it. Santana's always a threat. Right, so there, there's a lot of good pieces here, um, and he just made them look silly. So, I, I kind of, I'm kind of on board. I'm kind of on board. I so think that coming into who, next who you, year, what's up? Go ahead. No, who I was just, better, him or, him or Pivetta? Pivetta, because I know he's going to start. Yeah, I agree okay. with that. Yeah, yeah I, I mean, and. You know, I, I know, I know, Nick, that that you've been extremely high on Flaherty, but I, I think I also want to acknowledge that Joe and I have also been pretty high on Flaherty. When we discussed him in our starting pitcher preview, we were all on board with him as uh, a potential major value, especially when we took a look and saw that his innings total was at you know one sixty plus last year, and that he wouldn't really face an innings restriction. Um, you know, that was really the issue because we knew eventually he was going to get his shot, be it through injury or attrition. Um, now the question is going to be whether or not he will get his shot going forward, uh, whether he will get another 
you know, prolonged stretch in the rotation with Alex Reyes coming back and Carlos Martinez coming back. You know, if I was the Cardinals, I think I've got to find a way to get Flaherty into the rotation. Um, you know, I don't know whether it's six man, which six would man, keep, please. which would keep Dude. Reyes perhaps, um, you know, fresh and he's coming back from injury and maybe that's what their thought process will be. Uh, you know, or maybe there'll be another injury or whatever. Um, but that's really the thing that's going to hold uh, Flaherty back for me. He's got great stuff. Um, it's swing and miss stuff. He's got good command of it. You know, if if I knew he had a job going forward right now and was going to start for the rest of the year, he's easily inside my top 45, 40 starting pitchers, I think. So yeah. yeah, I'm I'm a fan, definitely. I agree. And I think so so what I was going to say is I think that if he you know what, even if he doesn't pitch uh if he's not in the starting rotation for the rest of the way, but you know, maybe in like late June he's in the starting rotation the rest of the way, something like that. Um I imagine that Flaherty's going to be drafted like in the Weaver area. Uh, yeah. Next next year, so like what, what's mid twenties? What's, what's the timeline on uh, Reyes right now? How long are they saying again? May 29th is yeah, supposedly the date. Yeah. And Car- and Carmark's like a week or two away, right? I think Carmark's like two weeks away. I'll get that up in a second, but don't quote me on that. Yeah, I I think I I, I think he's going to get probably two to three more turns. Um, as will most of the Cardinals pitchers. We know Michael Loss isn't going anywhere. Um, so it's really going to come down to, you know, the other arms to sort it out or up to management to come up with a creative way to keep all these guys in the rotation. Martinez is one to two weeks away as of yesterday. Yeah, so that means two weeks. Yeah. If not three. Okay, Joe, why don't you give us your second guy? All right, so my second guy is Adubadubadubal, Adubal Herrera. Um, and he, he I really wanted to talk about because I wanted to dig in to see if he's just on a hot streak or if there's some things to come with Herrera. So the good things are that he's cut the K rate, hitting more balls in the zone, um, hitting the ball with the highest average exit velo he's ever had, and he's raised his average launch angle by almost five degrees, and he's in the top 100 for uh, barrels per plate appearance. Mm-hmm. Um, with that said, the BAPIP is sky high, but it looks like he's hitting healthy enough to s- still sit in his comfy 280-ish range by the end of the year. Um, with that, that does likely mean that there's some sort of cold streak coming uh, to, to if, he, if he falls down to 280 or even 300. Um, his hard hit rate is down. He's not pulling his fly balls. Um, as much as his career and his uh, barrel percentage is actually the same as it was last year. So um, all told, with the launch angle change, I think there might be a, a, a bit more of this to come. Um, I think his his homer to fly ball rate, I think, is like 17%. I'm not sure if it'll be that high, but somewhere in the, in the mid-teens, um, he might have some staying power with the change in the, uh, in the launch angle. But I still think... 
the end of the day, since the BAPIP is so high, he's got a lot of BAPIP juice right now. He's in for a pretty cold streak. Um, and again, I think at the end of the day, he'll end up returning value of where you drafted him. Um, I'm just not sure if he soars past expectations. Yeah, I, I've always been a fan of Adubles, 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 Adubles. Um, last year, he quote-unquote burned owners, but he really wasn't that bad. He still hit 281. He had 14 bombs and eight stolen bases, which is not sexy at all. Those came with bad counting stats on a pretty bad Phillies team, but this is a completely different Phillies team. And now he's worked his way from the end of the lineup to lately he's been in the top four. Tonight he batted third, and that's where you want him to be. I mean, if he can work his way to consistently be in that, you know, that power spot, that completely changes his projections going forward. He has a 413 OBP right now. Um, he's walking more than he's ever walked. Well, walking more than he – he was walking a lot more than he did last year. Um, and he's back up to where he was in 2016, which is that 9% range. Um, so, I don't know. I, listen, I really like him. I hate to watch him play because he has the ugliest plate appearance in the history of baseball. But – I could very well see him going, you know, 20, 10, 2013, something like that. Yeah. Yeah. Around there with like a, like like you said, a 280 average. But if he's able to stick at the top of this lineup, then he could get close to like 100 RBI, like 95 RBI. Maybe a little bit less than that. 90 ish. He's at 30 now and he's 184 plate appearances. So he's on pace for. Like close to 100. Yeah. Yeah, I echo what Joe said. I, I think that he's a player that's due for uh, a bit of a regression. He's probably a little better than what you expected, but he's not as good as he's been. Um, you know, I think he can hit about 285, and, you know, the homers might be more along the 20 ish area than they are the 15-ish area you were probably projecting to begin the year. Um, I also worry about when that cold streak comes that he might really go in the tank because he is a player that is sort of known to have, um, you know, a lack of focus. So, you know, if he gets on the manager's bad side, that team is talented. They've got a lot of moving pieces. Um you know, he's certainly built himself some leash with the start, but that's something to be wary of as well. Um, I certainly wouldn't be opposed to moving him if I had shares and somebody came knocking with a very good offer. Okay, my second guy, Brandon Belt. You know, we've made passing remarks about Brandon Belt, and, you know, <laughs> they are – we've always believed, and he always disappoints. And I've tried really hard to contain myself. I've tried to talk myself down, but I don't think it can be ignored anymore. He's crushing the baseball. It's happening. <laughs> Finally. It's 49% hard contact with a 50% ground with a 50% fly ball percentage and nearly a 30% line drive percentage. He looks dialed in at the plate. He's obliterating pitches inside the strike zone. Specifically, Belt has made Significant improvements against four seamers, uh, which is excellent because the pitching environment is embracing that pitch more and more compared to the sinker. Um, now, there is some room for regression. The BABIP is silly for someone 
with that high of a fly ball rate, and that's reflected in his expected stats. His current BABIP is 379. The expected BABIP is 304. So the average isn't going to be 300 plus, but he could certainly be a 270, 275 hitter the rest of the way with the plus BABIP. Um, I think the reason he's going to avoid the fate of someone like Matt Carpenter is that he's not selling out to pull everything. He's still hitting the ball to center and oppo enough that it will keep defenses honest. Um, So, I mean, I'm in. I am really excited to watch him come to the plate on any given at-bat because it just seems as though he's – so dialed in that is even as that bats are always very good. I mean, you remember a couple of weeks ago, he had that 21 pitch at bat. Uh, you know, the only the only caveat is that you hope he stays healthy. We finally get to say, we told you so. It's finally <laughs> happening after 15 long years <laughs> predicting this guy's breakout. No, um, you know, I, I just, I just think it's funny that Pat brought up Belt is one of his guys because this has happened every single year since we've had the podcast since like 2012. Um, so yeah, no, listen, I'm I'm a believer though. It's happening finally. Uh, the crazy thing is the the launch angle. That's the sexiest part of all the Statcast uh, numbers. I think 24.65. That is absolutely ridiculous. That's like Joey Gallo esque, and it's coming with a 90 mile per hour exit velo. So I think the power is here to stay. And like I said before, they're doing something interesting in San Fran right now. It's I think it's definitely something with the coaching staff um, and it's working. So uh, I'm with it. Yeah. He's been bananas at home too. 354 batting average, seven home runs. I mean, that's, that's where you're a little worried playing at San Francisco, but he's crushing. So yeah, obviously the whole FWO is on board with Brandon belt. All right, Nick, give us your last guy and let's, uh, let's speed it up guys. We're running a little long. Yeah. All right, my last guy, Tyler O'Neill. Um, he's just starting to get picked up in Yahoo leagues. Uh, the percentage ship right now. I don't have it in front of me because my phone's being a prick, but I believe it's like under ten percent still, which is really crazy because this kid put up some really, really good numbers in AAA and AA. Um, he's definitely got a really strong power bat, and he's a guy who doesn't strike out that that much. He's been at like 26 percent, which in the minors is, is a little rough, but I mean. It's not like Joey Gallo crazy. It's not like you know these bad power hitters that come up with bad averages crazy. Where I think if he if he can, if he's able to keep it under thirty in the bigs, he's going to be able to hit. He's going to be able to go on like a thirty home run pace. Um, the question right now is playing time because you do have Harrison Bader who's been playing pretty well. Um, you've got a, a pretty loaded outfield with Fam Ozuna and Fowler, um, but he's going to get his starts, and when he does. They're putting him in a pretty money spot, of the, uh, money spot of the line. Hi, it's Jamie, Progressive's Employee of the Month, two months in a row. Leave a message at the... Hi, Jamie. It's me, Jamie. I just had a new idea for our song about the Name Your Price tool. So when it's like, tell us what you want to pay, hey, 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 and the trombone goes, blah, 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 and you say, we'll help you find coverage options to fit your budget. Then we just all do finger snaps while a choir goes, savings coming at ya, savings coming at ya. Yes? No? Maybe? Anyway, see your practice tonight. I got new lyrics for the rap break. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.